Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In the, in the English Bible, we're not going to do the Greek Bible and the Hebrew Bible today. I think you'd get more sense out of the English Bible. So in the English Bible today, Mark notwithstanding, uh, Proverbs or Psalms chapter 11, and you don't even have to go there. You don't even have to do English or Greek. You can just listen. But uh, Psalms 11 and verse 3 makes a powerful, powerful statement for this day today. It says, if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Boy, that's serious, isn't it? God said, if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? What are you going to stand on? What are you going to build on? The, the righteous can't be the righteous and do what God wants them to do if there's no foundations. God's always been big on foundation. He's always been big on, on setting stones in place, on, on uh, setting posts in place, on setting landmarks in place. Amen? And he says, if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? That's a serious question to me. You know, all through the Old Testament, God would have them put stones or landmarks or, or markers in various and sundry places where he did something or where he said something. All the, the patriarchs set up memorial stones all through the Old Testament. They set up various memorial stones uh, and then drove stakes in the ground as a reminder of what God did there or what God said there. Isn't that right? And then he directed the fathers and the, and, and the tribes. He said, he said, you set up these stones. And he said, the reason being is that later on your children are going to say, hey, what is this stone here for? What does this stone mean? What's this for? And you'll be able to tell them the great facts of what God did for Israel. You'll be able to tell them. That that's, that's reminds us of when God split the Red Sea and we walked over on dry ground and he, and he destroyed Pharaoh and his armies and his chariots. That's what, God, that's what that stone's for. Well, what's that stone for? Well, that's when, that's when God gave us manna. We were hungry and God fed us manna from heaven. I mean, fresh baked manna from the bakeries of heaven. That's what that stone's for. You know, we need to be able to go back and tell our children, hey, God got Jonah out of the well. He got Daniel out of the lion's den. He got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace. I mean, he, he delivered David from Goliath. God, God did these things. These are facts. These aren't myths. These aren't fables. These aren't fairy tales. The, the, these are the facts. Amen. And that's why he always had them set these foundations up or set these stones up. And said, now when your children ask about them, you, you tell them what happened there. See, if there's no foundation, what are we going to tell our kids? If there's no stone, what are we going to tell our kids? You know, let me look and see if anybody in here is gray-headed besides me. You know, when, when, when we went to school... In our younger days, we had everybody tell us about the stones, about the landmarks, about the Bible. School trained us in the Bible. Our school teachers referenced the Bible. The rules were made based on the Bible. We got it from school. We got it from church. It didn't matter what denomination you went to. You got, you got the stones. You got the landmarks, Right? And we got it from home. 
And then that was backed up by movies. You'd see some court case or some, some you know, police show or lawyer show or whatever, and there's the Ten Commandments at the courthouse, and, and the, the, the lawyers are quoting the Scripture, and the judges are quoting the Scripture. And, uh, you, you know, we just constantly, somebody was constantly pointing back to the stone. Somebody was constantly saying, well, we know this is true because this stone's here. Right? You know, in every, in every nation of the world, the Ten Commandments are observed. Now, they may not call it the Ten Commandments. They may not think it's the Ten Commandments. They may not know where they got it from. But in every nation of the world, uh, it's illegal to murder somebody. Thou shalt not kill. That's never changed. God set that stone up. He set that post up. And it's true in the tribes, in the, I live in the, jungle, in, the, in the tribes, in the jungles with people that didn't wear clothes, but they knew thou shalt not kill. They knew thou shalt not steal. Right? You know, I had people, to, oh, decades ago say to me one time, now, Brother Terry, you know, now, now Jesus came and he, he changed the law and, and blah, 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 blah. I said, really, which one did he change? Let's look at the Ten Commandments and see which, which one of these are no longer valid. Which one of these has heaven sent a memo to and said, oh, no, this one out of effect. This expired. So thou shalt not kill. That's not any good anymore. We can kill people now. Oh, no, Brother Terry, we can't kill people. Well, how about thou shalt not steal? It's okay to steal. No, well, no, we can't steal. You know, I go to countries where if you steal something, they cut your hand off. I mean, it's pretty serious. Thou shalt not steal. Right? None of those Ten Commandments have ever, ever been changed, never expired, never gone out of date, nor has God ever changed his mind about any of them. Jesus didn't come to change them. The Bible says he came to fulfill the law. Didn't come to change it, came to fulfill it. And all that's changed about the Ten Commandments, and hear me well, especially you younger people, you hear me well, God still feels the same way about killings he always did, stealings he always did, adulteries he always did, all the having false gods before you as he always did. The only thing that's changed is the penalty. Because in the old days, if you know, if a teenager smart off to his parents, they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Well, Jesus changed that. He paid that penalty. You know, in the old days, if you if you did something against the law, you died. Well, Jesus died for you. So now instead of you having to die, you can say, Help. Lord, forgive me. Lord, put that under the blood. And Jesus said, okay, I already, I already died for you. You don't have to. I, I paid that penalty for you. Are, are you all with me? But, but God hadn't changed his mind about the rule. Otherwise, we'd have chaos. What if we just got up tomorrow morning and there's just no rules? See, the Bible tells us at the very end of Judges, it says that this was a time when there was no king in Israel and every man did according to that that was right in his own eyes. Can you imagine going downtown Los Angeles tomorrow and every man doing what's right in his own eyes? No police, no traffic lights are working, no rules, no law. Well, then, you know, banks would be open season. You know, the law of the jungle would kick in. Only the strong survive. Get rid of the little kids, get rid of the old people. There's got to be a stone somewhere. There's got to be a post somewhere. There's got to be an anchor somewhere that we can look back and say, no, this isn't right because of this. Yeah, but I feel, it don't matter what you feel, here's the stone. Yeah, but I believe, no, I don't care what you believe, here's the the stone. 
Are, are y'all with me? See, what Christians today don't seem to remember is that, that we, we Christians don't get a vote about the Bible. We don't get an opinion. God says, if I wanted you to have an opinion, I'd give you one. Oh, I did. Here. Here's the Bible. Here's your opinion. See, our answer to these hard questions... See, you know, people ask hard questions all the time. In fact, a lot of young preachers right now are getting in trouble because they, you know, they, they've gotten real famous and, and real rich and nothing wrong with famous or rich either one, but, but, but they're young guys and they, they really hadn't got a lot of wisdom yet. And so they get on TV and somebody asks them a hard question and, and they, 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 they look like a deer in the headlights. They don't know what to say. They don't have an answer because they don't know what the stone says. So they tell you, well, I believe. Anytime you start a sentence with I believe, you're in trouble. Or here's my opinion. Oh, you're in trouble. Well, I think, no, you're in trouble. All you have to do when you get on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, CNN, whatever, and they ask you a hard question, your answer or your mother-in-law asks you a hard question or your cousin asks you a hard or your boss asks you a hard All you need to say is, well, I'm a Christian. And Christians believe the Bible. And here's what the Bible says. It's in my opinion. I wish God hadn't have said that, but he did, so I'm stuck with it. I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. See, I don't know about y'all, but I don't like all the scriptures in the Bible. But God doesn't care. He never asked me. He never said, hey, Terry, what do you think about this scripture? Right? So for me to decide now in 2016, oh, I think I'll define God. I think I'll, I think I'll psychoanalyze God. I think I'll rewrite the Bible. Are you here? That's what's wrong with all these teachers and preachers that live in concordances all the time. Because when you go to, you find a word in the Bible and then you decide, oh, I'll look that up in the concordance. And I'll use a concordance, you know, once or twice a year myself. But, but, but when you look in the concordance, the problem is you're going to get 20 answers. 20 definitions on the word you just looked up. Well, what's wrong with that? But what's wrong with it is you're going to go down that list till you find the one you like. Doesn't mean that's the right one. It just means that's the one that fits your the philosophy or your sermon. And so you say, oh, this word really means this. No, it doesn't. It could have meant that, but it really means this. Amen. That's why God was so determined about setting these landmarks and setting these stones and saying, don't you ever, ever move this stone. See, as a a Christian, my post is the Bible. My landmark is the Bible. My anchor is the Bible. It's unerring, infallible, never changing. Of course, they'll come to you and they'll say, yeah, but men wrote the Bible. Duh. (laughs) Men wrote whatever else you're believing too. I mean, somebody had to write it. But the difference is God said the Bible was dictated by and inspired by the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul said to the young Timothy, who, you know, he's a young guy. He didn't know a whole lot. A pastor texted me the other day about his staff. I was going to some church. And he said, about he said ask, ask my staff and my kids anything, anything you want. They'll serve, they're, they're supposed to serve you. He said, he said they, they're just a bunch of kids, and they all think they know more than they really do. And I thought, well, that's a smart pastor. That's a smart pastor. They're just a bunch of kids, and they, they, they really don't know as much as they think they do. But see, they'll grow. 
That's what kids do. They grow. We know more later than we did before. We get smarter. And that's why these young lions, these young ministers that get on TV and make mistakes, they're, they're great young lions. Terry Miles has four young lions. I look for young lions all over the world. I've raised some young lions. I've got some real famous young lions uh, around the world. Thank God for them. But they're not fathers yet. They will be fathers. But right now they don't have the wisdom of a father. They're still just a, a young lion. Are y'all here? As my as my as a Christian, my post is the unfailing, infallible, unerring word of God. Period. Period. Whether I like it or not. Whether I wish it were that way or not. You know, there's a survey came out just the other day that said over eighty percent of American youth believe there's many paths to God. Well, I wish that was true. It's just not. So you can talk to them. They say, oh, I believe there's many paths to God. And you can say, well, but that's wrong. And they want to know, well, why is it wrong? And you can't just say, well, duh, I don't know. It's always been that way. That's what I think. Because what you think is no better than what they think. If they're just looking for opinions, everybody's got one. You've got to be able to say, no, that's wrong. They say, why is that wrong? You say, because the Word says, God said. Here's what the post says. Here's what the anchor says. Here's what the landmark says. Here's what God said. We know when he said it. We know who he said it to. We know why he said it. We know it's been true all these years. See, see, this stuff wasn't just made up yesterday. This stuff has worked forever. Amen? And so you get, some, you get your school kid coming in from school and saying, well, well, now here's what I believe. Teacher said this. Well, duh, where they come from? How long have they been around? This has been around a long time, and it's always worked. And all of a sudden, some, you know, 20-year-old college graduate, you know, got a different opinion. Well, who cares? Are, are, are y'all here? My, 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 my. Let me read you some scripture. Y'all got some time for some scripture? A lot of people come to me over the years, many, many years, and they'll say, Brother Terry, talk to me about the Antichrist. You think the Antichrist is alive today? We're looking for the Antichrist. Where's the Antichrist? Who's the Antichrist? Do you think that guy's the Antichrist? <laughs> oh, they've asked me that a lot of times. Different guys come and go. Different world leaders come and go. And Oh, he must be the Antichrist. He must be the Antichrist. People always look for the Antichrist. And I always tell them, I say, you know, you're, 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 you're looking for the... That's the wrong question. The, 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 the right question is, is that instead of looking for the Antichrist... What you should be looking for is the apostasy or the great falling away. The Bible says in the last days there's going to be a great apostasy, a great falling away. The word apostasy means somebody that's that's standing aside or standing away from the post. Even the root word, you'll enjoy this, Mark. Even the root word is, it, it come, it's not even a Greek word or a Hebrew word or a Latin word. It, it comes straight up. It's an old English word, apostasy. Because it's talking about the post. Apostasy is, is a post-to-see. You've moved the post. You've stood away from the post. You're no longer standing by the post. Right? So as a Christian, my post is the Bible. As, as a, we're in America. So as an American, what would my post be? As an American, my post would be the Constitution of the United States of America. It's unchanging. Right? Not to be moved, not to be messed with. It's 
worked all these years. Now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're going to come up with a new idea. All of a sudden, some college professor is going to come up with a new idea. All of a sudden, some administration in Washington is going to come up with a new idea. No, 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 no. We have to go back. What did the What did the fathers say? What did the fathers say? What does the post say? Have you moved the post? Are you staying away from the post? Or are we going back to the post? I know, no, this is the post. I'm not talking about Facebook posts, you understand. I'm talking about, I'm talking about markers, landmarks, stones. So apostasy is to remove the post. And the Bible says in the last days, that's what's going to happen. That's what Paul was warning Timothy about. There's going to be a great falling away from the truth. There's going to be a great turning away from the truth. Men are going to turn their ears from the truth. What's the truth? The word. Jesus said, Father, thy word is truth, John 17. Amen. Amen. So men are going to turn their ears from the truth and be turned to fables. Fables. What's wrong with the fable? We were all raised on fables. We raised our kids on fables. Fables are all great. You know, they're usually usually about, it's a story with a moral. Don't steal, don't cheat, don't, don't kill, don't, you know, don't break in the bear's house and sleep in their bed and eat their porridge. <laughs> fables are usually have, have to do with barnyard animals. You know, there's a mama bear, papa bear, baby bear. With a moral. That's a fable. So there's nothing wrong with fables. It's just the problem with being turned to fables is they're, they're, they're about the truth. They're just not the truth. So we end up with a lot of things in church and in the country that's kind of about the post. It's just not the post. And we can't do that. We've got to stay by the post. Proverbs 23.10 says, Remove not the ancient landmarks. Don't move those. Don't move the ancient landmarks. And remember, if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? I had a pastor a number of years ago. I was having a, con- a dinner with several pastors. There's one pastor I was going to his church in a few months. And he said, Brother Terry, now when you come to my church, he said, don't talk about the old guys. And I said, what? He said, don't talk about the old guys. I said, what are you talking about? What old guys? He said, well, you know, don't talk about old Roberts and T.L. Osborne and Kenneth Hagin and, you know, Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake and Lester Summerall. And, you know, don't, don't talk about the old guys. You know, he said, he said my, my people don't know who the old guys are. They don't know any of those people. John Osteen. He even said Kenneth Copeland. I said, you know, Kenneth's still around. <laughs> Not all that old. <laughs> I mean, Kenneth will be 80 this December, but this was several years ago. Kenneth probably started 75 or so. I mean, you already got him dead and buried. He's already an old guy. And I said, Pastor, if, they, if your church doesn't know who the old guys are, I said, that's not their fault. That's your fault. I said, it's up to you to tell them who the old guys are and what the old guys mean. So that's where you establish lineage and you establish heritage that, that you didn't just make this stuff up by yourself, that you got it from somebody. And that they got it from somebody and that they got it from somebody and it's worked all these years. I said, what do you do? Just preach those old guys' sermons and tell your church you thought of them? Said, Jesus talked about the old guys. Paul talked about the old guys. Peter talked about the old guys. John talked about the old guys. And all of a sudden, you don't want to talk about the old guys? 
Are y'all here? You know, people always come up with some kind of a new revelation. I've said, I think I've said it to you here before, but I've said for many, many years, if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. I mean, if Jesus or James or Peter or John or Paul or somebody hadn't already preached it, I don't want to preach it. Somebody's always coming. You've got to come hear this guy. He's teaching stuff nobody's ever talked about. So then I don't want to hear him. I don't want somebody to just make something up. I want to know it's attached to a post. I want somebody to have already said it. The Apostle Paul said, hey, if we, if me, me, me and the good guys, he said, if we or even an angel from heaven, not an angel from hell, an angel from heaven teaches you something that's not in this book, let him be cursed. Paul said that about himself. If I teach you stuff that's not in here, let me be cursed. Don't listen to somebody that just made something up. If it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. This missionary's not looking for new revelation. I still got a book full of old revelation. I'm still working on keeping me busy till Jesus comes. Paul said that the old apostle said to the young pastor, said, in the old days, Timothy, we're going to be living in perilous times. And then he listed about 30 things that people would start doing. And I tell you what, if you look at that list today, they're doing them all. We're living in perilous times. You still with me? Joshua 4, starting at verse 3, but you really need to read all of that whole fourth chapter. You know, the children of Israel have come with Moses to the promised land. They didn't go across the river Jordan into the promised land. They missed God. They, They called God a liar. God got bent out of shape. They all didn't get to go into the promised land. They had to wander around the wilderness for 40 years until they died off. Everybody that's 20 years old and upward died. And so 40 years later, they come back to the very same spot. And God said, now cross this river like I told you to 40 years ago. If you're trying to hear from God and you don't know what to do next and you keep thinking, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know, you might ought to go back and say, what's the last thing he told you to do? Because if you hadn't done the last thing he told you to do, he's not going to tell you something else. And you'll come to him and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do now? The same thing I told you to do 40 years ago. You had not done that yet. Now arise and go over this Jordan. When you do that, we'll go on to something else. But I'm still waiting on you to cross the Jordan. Are you all here? So this is what's happened in Joshua. They've, they've done all that. They've wandered around 40 years. They've all died off. Moses is dead. Everything, you know, so Joshua comes back. God says, now arise and go over this Jordan. So they start across the river. And just as they start, God tells him, God tells him this in Joshua, in, in Joshua chapter 4, starting at verse 3. And command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, 12 stones. He said, get, he said Take 12 stones. And carry them over the river with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Drop down to verse 6. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in times to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? God said, You have every man, a man from a tribe, 12 men, 12 tribes, 12 men, get a stone, take it across the river with you, and establish that stone. And in times to come, when your children come around and say, What do these stones mean? Then you go back and tell them what the Lord has done. Right? You with me? All right. Now, Paul said in Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap through themselves teachers. Well, we've got so many teachers today. They're absolutely worthless. 
You know, anybody can teach. Anybody can teach. It doesn't take any anointing or any special thing. Anybody can any, any one of you can grab a concordance and look up the word joy or faith or love or whatever and get up and talk about it for an hour. Run, run several scripture verses on it and talk about it for an hour. Of course, now we don't want to talk an hour. Now it's 20 minutes. And then think they've taught something. You know, teachers need to know what they're teaching. I don't know about you, but when I, when I learned to fly an airplane, I wanted to learn from a guy that could fly. I mean, I went, to a, I went to a Vietnam combat pilot and said, teach me to fly, right? You know, there's just some things that I, I don't want to... I don't want to learn just from somebody that thinks they know how. I want to learn from a real been there, done that, Right? My, my, my. They shall endure sound dark after their own lust. They shall heap to themselves teachers, have an itch in ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, the truth, the truth, and be turned to fables. Chapter 3, verse 1. This know also in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. You can identify yourself at any place in here. Dis- disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents, really? Paul said that to Timothy in the last days. They're going to be disobedient to parents, unthankful. Oh, man, don't get me started on unthankful. I have a granddaughter that started working in, in public this last year, and she got her little job at a little deli. And, was working. and I said, honey, can I use you one piece of advice? Just one, just one little tiny piece of advice. She said, sure, Papa. And I said, if somebody walks in there and they're gray-headed like me, I said, if they're older and they say thank you, I said, don't say, no problem. <laughs> say you're welcome. I said, you know, somebody my age, I said, kids don't care today. They don't know what words mean. You know, they just rattle to hear themselves rattle. But, you know, people my age, words are like meant something. Like the words kids call each other today, we, we bust people in the mouth when they call us those names. You, you, you understand what I'm talking about? People got shot over those names back when I was a kid. But, you know, kids, my, I mean, people my age say, say you know, thank you for my coffee. No problem. And I, and I always think, what would constitute in your mind that it's a problem for you to get me a cup of coffee that I'm paying, <laughs> that I'm paying you for and giving you a tip for? Why, why would that be a problem to you? Moving right along. It says unthankful. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. Now the Supreme Court just put that one down. But without natural affection. Truce breakers. Truce breakers. False accusers. Incontinent. Fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Have you ever seen in America today where where the church is more despised? You know, the Bible forbids us to call evil good, and yet people are calling evil stuff good all the time just because we don't want to be politically incorrect. No, you can't call evil good. God forbids you to do it. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't. But they'll, they'll, if, you, if you're good, they're going to despise you. Paul said they're going to despise you. They'll despise those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, 
lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Not with whom run around with, but from such turn away. For this are the sort of they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins or led away by divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, that's the apostasy. He's talking about the, the, the great falling away. Judges twenty one twenty five. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Job twenty four two. Some remove the landmarks. They violently take away flocks and the feed thereof. Proverbs twenty two twenty eight. Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. Don't mess with those landmarks. Don't mess with that. Are you here? That's a command from God. Don't remove the ancient landmarks your fathers set. Proverbs 27.10, scripture that I dearly love. I've raised my kids on and I've got friends that have raised their kids on. It says, your own friend and your father's friend forsake not. Don't forget your father's friends. Well, God's your father too. Don't forget your father's friends. Amen. You know, there's a, there's a group of churches in Mexico I've been working with for 30 years. In 30 years, they built 30 churches. And the, da- the, 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 the guy that started that work was my very dear, dear, dear close friend. We were very close friends. He's passed away now, gone to heaven. And I used to say to people, describing him over many decades, I'd say, I've got a pastor friend in Mexico that's a prince of a man that I would trust him with my life, my wife, or my pocketbook. I mean, he's just a, he's just a solid guy. Well, he had four kids. I have four kids. And uh, he raised those kids on that same principle that I raised my kids on. You don't forget your father. I've told my kids all the time, don't you forget your, your father's friend. Don't you forget daddy's friend. If you need something, if something comes up, if something's going on, you, you call one of my friends. I mean, your friends may not, they may be flaky. You call one of my friends. You call one of my friends and say, hey, Terry, I'm, 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 Terry's, I'm Terry Mize's son. I'm Terry Mize's daughter. They'll, that'll get their attention and they'll say, hey, what can I do for you? You don't forget your father's friends. Well, this gentleman died, passed away in Mexico, and his four kids, two boys and two girls, they, they weren't my friends when they were little kids. They were my friend's kids, right? But they grew up knowing I was their father's friend. Now they're all four in the ministry and running these 30 churches, and they look to me as a father. Man, they think I'm their father now. They call me and ask me all kind of things and ask me all kind of counsel and have me come down. And we were just down there the other day and train the leaders and so on and so forth. But it's all based on that don't forget your father's friends. Now those kids are my friends. They used to be my friend's kids. Now they've grown up. Now they're my friends. Now they all have little kids. They look to me as a grandpa. And those little kids are my friends. But, you know, as they grow up, they'll, they'll, they'll become my friends. You understand what that is? See, you don't forget your father's friends. That's what God said. <laughs> Psalm 78, verses 5 and 7. This is in the Amplified Bible. For he established a testimony and expressed precept in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel commanding our fathers they should make the great facts, the great facts, the great facts of God's dealing with Israel known to their children. See, when you don't tell your children about the great facts that God's done, then you're, you're missing God because they're not, they're not going to have a post or an anchor or a landmark or a foundation if you don't tell them where the post is, if you don't tell them what's the truth and why it's the truth. When they're kids, you let them grow up with that. 
of God's great dealings with Israel known to their children that the generation to come might know them that the children still to be born. Kids hadn't even been born yet. That the children still to be born might arise and recount those things to their children. God said, that's the way you keep these posts established. You don't, you don't move these posts and you don't forsake your father's friends. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but might keep his commandments. It goes on to say, the children of Ephraim were armed and carrying bows. I mean, they were ready for war. They had their bows and their arrows and their shields and their swords and all that. But it says when they went into battle, it says they, they turned back in the day of battle because their fathers had not told them of the great facts of what God had done with Israel. So they went out there with no foundation. They went out there saying, we sure hope we win this war. Well, what if we don't win? Well, they're more than we are. We're, we're, they're bigger than we are. We better turn back. And it says that they, their hearts failed them as a, as a warped bow, you know, a bow and arrow, an archer, as a warped bow, a deceitful bow deceives its, its archer. They turned back from battle because there wasn't a post that they said, oh, we know we're going to win this. Somebody had forgot to train them uh, that God had said, hey, when you see horsemen more than you and chariots more than you and soldiers more than you, be not afraid, be not greatly dismayed, but go, go against them for the Lord will go before you and fight the battle for you. That's the post. But they didn't know that post. So they said, whoa, we may win, we may not win. We may get whipped here. So they turned back. Verse 41 says, Yea, they turned back and tempted and limited the Holy One of Israel. Verse 22, I missed there. Verse 22 says, Because they believed not in God and trusted not His salvation. Therefore they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. My dear friend, an old guy, T.L. Osborne, said to me many, many years ago, he says, That's the greatest sin in the Bible. They, they, they turned back. They limited God. And tempted the Holy One of Israel. Amen. See, Billy Graham made this statement here a while back, and he said, We're living in an America where we don't want to offend anyone except God. We don't mind offending God, we sure better don't, don't want to offend anybody else. What has Billy Graham's famous phrase been all of his life and all of his ministry? He said it thousands of times. Uh, he says, The Bible says, Every sermon, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. See, he's always going back to the post. Always going back to the post. No confusion with that. As a Christian, our post is the Word of God. As an American, our post is the Constitution of the United States. That's how we know where to go and what to do when we get there because we know what the post says. We know where the anchor is. We know, we know what the landmark says. Nobody, we're not moving it. But see, over the years, what's happened in, in America with the Constitution and what's happened with the, with the church, with the Bible, is that we, we've said, well, you know, this post is just a little tough. And after all, it's not relevant. Oh, that word relevant is the most dangerous word in the church today. Don't ever use that word around me. Oh, but I tell you, the church needs to be relevant. The church has always been relevant. You need to catch up. God's always been relevant. You need to get with the program. You're the one that's irrelevant. But we've said, oh, this post is a little tough here. And after all, this is, this is the 20th century. This is the 21st century. This is the 19th century. Let's move the post a little bit. It's modern times. 
Well, it's 20th century. Oh, it's oh, man, modern times. 21st century. Oh, modern times. Well, you know, the 22nd century would be modern times too. But that post needs to stay right where it is. But what's happened is we say, that's a little tough. Let's just move it here. And then somebody else came along and said, well, you know what? That's a little tough and not relevant. Let's, let's, let's move it right here. And then pretty soon, well, let's just move it right here. Well, you know, we need to reach the young people today, and they don't understand all this stuff. So let, let's move the post. Let's, let's dumb it down a little bit right here. And pretty soon the post is so far over here that when somebody asks you a question and you tell them thus and so and they say why and you say well, well, but, and you start looking for the post and it's way back over there a mile and a half, right? And see, you can't change the post. The church can't change the post. Feelings can't change the post nor the Constitution of the United States. Let me give an example. The Supreme Court even can't change it. Now listen to me. When, when, our, for, when our founding fathers of this nation wrote the Declaration of Independence, wrote the Constitution, they made this statement that here's the post. They said this is going to be the post. All men are created equal. All men, A-double-L, longest word in the Bible. All men are created, meaning women too. All people, all men are created equal and that they're granted by God or given by God certain inalienable rights. Right? Well, the the, the Supreme Court in 1857 decided to pass a law. They're not supposed to pass laws. That's not the Supreme Court's job. They don't get to pass laws. But they do once in a while. It's illegal. They're not supposed to, but they do. <clears throat> and so they said, let's pass this law that's called the Dred Scott Law because we don't like black people. And so here's, the, here's, what, here's what the new law is going to be. Dred Scott in 1857 says, black people are not people. What did the Post say? The Post said, all men are created equal. What did the Supreme Court say? Uh, black people are not people. Therefore, they cannot vote. Therefore, they cannot own property. Therefore, they have no rights because they're not a person. That's what the Supreme Court said. And I'm here to tell you that was wrong. The Supreme Court gets it wrong every now and then. Right? They're just a bunch of appointed judges. They're not even elected judges by the people. They're just appointed because the president wants them to vote the way he wants them to vote. Right? I don't even know why we have them. A bunch of black-robed, not justices, but injustices mostly. Are you here? So they said black people aren't people. Well, we had a war over that. Right? People died by the horrible numbers. And Abraham Lincoln, the president, stood up and issued the Emancipation Proclamation that all men are created equal, that slavery is evil. Are are y'all here? So the Supreme Court can't just move the post. The church can't just move the post. The president can't just move the post. You know, in 19, 
was it, 1972, January of 1972, the, the, the black-robed injustices of the United States Supreme Court on a, on a cold, cloudy, dreary, which was fitting for the occasion, January day, passed a law called Roe versus Wade. And they said, hey, here's the deal. Here's the law. You can kill babies. You can murder babies. It's okay. Now, they had always been illegal. You couldn't murder babies. Why could you not murder babies? Well, because the post said all men are created equal and granted by God, their creator, certain inalienable rights. They have the right to life. That is a, that is a God-given, constitution-given right in America. You have the right to life. That's the post. No matter if you like it or not, no matter if you feel good about it or not, make a difference. You don't get an opinion. That's just the post. It isn't about a woman's feelings or a woman's rights or a man's feelings or a man's rights. It's about the post. That God in the United States said all men are created equal, period, cut and dried over and out. And they have these rights. One of those rights is life. One of them is liberty. And contrary to what the young kids think today, the next one is not a right to have happiness. It's the right to, for you to pursue happiness. It's life is a right, liberty is a right, and the pursuit of happiness is a right. You have the right to pursue happiness. You don't have the right to be happy. That's up to you. You can be happy or not be happy, but, but, but you have the right to try. That's a right. That's a God-given right and backed up by the Constitution of the United States of America. Right? doesn't say you'll att- achieve it. doesn't say you'll attain it, but it says you can pursue it. It's a right to pursue it. It's a right to have life. It's a right to have liberty, and it's a right for you to be able to pursue happiness. That's what the Post says. It's not what the Republicans think, not what the Democrats think, not what Hollywood thinks, not what Washington thinks. Not, not what, no, it's a post. It's the, it's the ancient landmarks the fathers have set that you're not supposed to move. Amen. See, we had our first baby in 1971. He's, he's now about to turn 45. He, we didn't have a choice about that kid. We had to have him. It's illegal to kill him. But our next baby is born in 1974, so we could have killed him. Right? Lynn was born in 71. We had to keep him. Had to have him. Now, Paul and Lori and Chrissy, they were born in, in 74 and 76 and 78, so, man, we could have killed them, no sweat, and been legally, legally able to do it but not blessed to do it because it violates two posts. It violates the Constitution of the United States post of that baby having the right to life, but it also violates a higher post to the Word of God that says, I shall not kill. Yeah, but I think, oh, no, 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 we don't care what you think. Yeah, but I feel, no, you don't get a feeling. Yeah, but my opinion, no, 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 it, you're violating the post. Well, Terry, you mad at me for it? No, I'm not mad at you for it. I'm just saying that you're violating the post. I'm not your judge. Are y'all here? 
get this goofy idea about Christians. They think that because we, we see something as a sin or a violation of the post, a movement of the post, they think that we then hate those people and want to be mean to them and kill them. That's never been true. Never been true. Just because we tell somebody, hey, you're wrong, that's wrong. Doesn't mean we hate them or going to be mean to them. Isn't that right? You know, the Supreme Court and the president recently got it wrong again. Now, the reason they got it wrong, here's why they got it wrong. Because they're weird people. Although, well, never mind. (laughs) The reason they got it wrong is because they don't care about the post. They think the posts are irrelevant. irrelevant. They think the post is old-fashioned. They think the post did offend somebody. So they leave the post, move the post, move the post, move the post. And so they got it wrong again about, about you know, a marriage being between a man and a woman. Well, what is, what, what's your opinion, Brother I don't get an opinion. The Bible says God created male and female, right? Male and female created he, them. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Is that my idea? No. That's God. That's the post. That's what the post says. Are, are y'all with me? Yes. But Terry's homosexuality is sin. Well, the Bible says it is. Does that mean I hate homosexuals? No. I've got relatives that are homosexuals that come spend the night at my home. I cook dinner for them. A few years ago, Jackie and I had two lesbians that were married. I don't understand that, but they were married. One of them was the husband. One of them was the wife. When I looked at both of them, I thought they were both the wife. They weren't even related to us. They were just related to a friend. And they came, spent the night at our home for nights and nights and nights and, you know, slept in my guest room and, and I cooked for them and we visited with them. I wasn't mean to those ladies or lady and man. Or, I, I, I wasn't mean to them. I was sweet to them. They had a little boy with them. Of course, they hadn't had that little boy together. They said they did, but we all know that's not true. It was manipulated using a guy over here somewhere. But I love that little boy and carried him around. No, not a relative. Not any, I mean, just somebody that was a relative of a friend. I said, yeah, they can come stay with us. I wouldn't mean to them. Did I think what they were doing was wrong? Yes. Why? Because of the post. Not my opinion, but because of the post. I, I, I said, well, this isn't right. Did I preach at them? No. Did I fuss at them? No. Was I mean to them? No. You understand what I'm saying to you? We're not mean to people. We're not hurt people. We just say, hey, here's the post. We can't agree with what you're doing because, why? Because it's my idea. No, 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 because God said right here. Here's what God said. I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset with you if you're living wrong. I'm not your judge. I'm just telling you, hey, you need to change this, but here's what the post says. Sure is quiet in this Methodist church. (laughs) But see, the president of the Supreme Court got that wrong. They can't change the post. They can't change... The post being the Bible, they can't change the post being the Constitution. You know, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. Like gun rights, it doesn't matter how you feel about gun rights. It's, it's the Second Amendment. It's your, it's your right to bear arms. Don't argue with me about it. That's what the Father said. It's an ancient landmark that we're not going to move. It's a post. And people are just working night and day and spend all kind of money saying, how can we move the post? You understand? 
You know, New York City this week and New York this week, they passed a law and they made a decision and they said that now sexuality, is that the right word, is like Baskin-Robbins. There's 31 flavors. And they listed them. They give you a list. You can go Google it. There's a list. There's now 31 genders. Now, I know we thought there was two. We thought there was male and female created he them. And that's actually two of the, two of the categories. One, one category is man. It's way down the list, but you could be a man. <laughs> Seriously, at the 31, you go Google it. There's 31 genders. And one of them is man and one of them is woman. I, those are the only two I recognized. But there's 29 others. That's confusing. But not only is it confusing, what's it doing? It, 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 it's left the post. Why do I care about it? Terry, why is it in your business? Because of your kids. Because when we gray-headed folks were in school, we had school, church, home, and everybody else tell us about the post. Now school's forbidden to tell you about the right post. In fact, now they're instructed to actually teach you about the wrong post. So schools tell them the exact opposite of what's right. In church nowadays, is just you know kind of an hour on Sunday morning, we're done. And a lot of churches are scared to say anything politically incorrect. And home isn't what home was back when we were all being raised. People are busy. People are gone. People are working two or three jobs or single-parent homes and everything else. So the kids aren't getting at home what they used to get. Hello? What's your point, Terry? My point is who's going to tell them where the posts are? So what happens is they come home from school and they tell you, hey, here's what I learned in school. And you look at that and say, dear God. And so you just simply ask them, say, well, where, why do you, why, who told you that? Well, my teacher. Well, why do they believe that? Where do they get that information? Well, some college professor said it. And so if you just tell them, well, that's wrong, it's going to make them mad, right? Well, that's wrong. That's not right. That's stupid. No, you can tell them why. Say, so, well, let me tell you why this is wrong. Because the Bible says, the, the Post says, the Constitution says, this is what the fathers said, and we can't change that. This isn't about opinions. This isn't about relevancy. This isn't about moving with the times. This isn't about old school, old-fashioned. This isn't about... No, this is about the post. So you need to be able to tell them, here's what the post says. Here's what God said. You know, Francis Bacon made this quote one time. I thought it was a great quote. He said, it's talking about the difference between young lions and fathers, or kids and adults. He said, young men are fitter, or better fitted, better fitted, fitter, to invent than they are to judge. They make better inventors than they, they, they are decision makers on judgments. And they're fitter for execution. That doesn't mean killing people. That means doing stuff. Than they are for counsel. In other words, if you've got a, if you've got a young guy, it's better to you get him to execute the order or do the job than it is to get his counsel about what he thinks. All right? Young men are fitter to invent than to judge, fitter for execution than for counsel, and fitter for new projects than they are for settled business. Isn't that a great quote? Nothing wrong with young people. Nothing wrong with kids. Nothing wrong with young lions. It's just they're, they're, they're fitter to do these other things because they don't have the wisdom and experience yet to do these other things, but they're going to get there. They're not fathers yet. They're young lions, but, hey, they're going to get to be fathers one day. 
right? You see, in the church, we're going to have to look to our fathers and don't forget your father's friends. Are you all still with me? Let me give you a couple of things Paul said to Timothy, and we'll wrap this up. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 1 and 2. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now listen, the things that you've heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. In other words, he said, you just want to just pull somebody out of, the, out of the congregation or a rabbit out of the hat and say, okay, teach everybody. No, no, no. You need to make sure what they're teaching them. You need to make sure that you teach them what you've heard from me by many other witnesses and then make sure that they get it enough that they can teach others also. Right? You just take kids just fresh that snotty nose out of school and say, okay, you be a teacher. Are you here? I mean about important stuff. You know, about life, about life, all right? 2 Timothy 1, 5, and 6, when I call to remember, listen to Paul talking to Timothy. <laughs> Paul saying, boy, don't you tell me that nonsense. I know your mama and I know your grandma. Isn't that right? He said, now, Timothy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that's in you, but not because of anything you did, boy, because it first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and then in your mama, Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's in you too. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that thou stir up that gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. So Timothy doesn't have a whole lot to do with this, does he? Paul said, let me tell you something. Boy, I know your grandma. I know the faith she operated in. I know your mama. I know the faith she operated in. Therefore, I'm convinced that faith's in you. And so therefore, I put my hands on you and I put some spiritual gifts in you. Now, you line up with all that. Timothy, you didn't think this stuff up. This came from a line and a heritage. It came from your mama. It came from your grandma. It came from me. There's some solid stuff in you that you didn't just invent. Now, you stay with that. 2 Timothy 3.10 says, Thou hast fully known. Listen to what he says to Timothy. Thou, you've fully known my doctrine, my manner of life. My, he's saying, Timothy, you know me. You've watched me. You know my manner of life. You know how I live. I live the same in the pulpit as out of the pulpit. You know my purpose. You know my faith. You know my long-suffering. You know my charity, my patience, my persecutions, my afflictions, which came to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, Timothy, you continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, and knowing, boy, of whom you have learned them. Timothy, you stay with what you've learned, and you, 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 by God, better not forget who you learned it from. I'm the one that taught you that stuff, and you've watched my whole lifestyle. You've watched me in prison. You've watched me in persecution. You've watched my faith. You've watched my track record, and then I put that stuff in you. Now, you, you better do what you've learned, and you better remember where you learned it. Right? That's why we talk about the old guys. That's why Mike Webb stands up here and talks to you about Brother Hagin. You know, I've taught whole messages before on people have asked me to just talk about the, the quote, word of faith. You know, because I was kind of in the beginning of, of, the, of the, the new word of faith that started in about the 70s. I mean, word of faith has been around since God's been around. But, you know, it has, has you know, things come in cycles and peaks and valleys. And, uh, and you know, I start talking about those old guys. I, I knew all those old guys. No, I didn't know all the old guys. I didn't know. But, but you know, I start talking about, you know, Brother Hagan. I, I personally knew Brother Hagan. Mike Webb personally knew Brother Hagan. 
And then Brother Hagin's best friend and the man that he spent more time with was J.R. Goodwin. And, and I, knew, I knew Brother Goodwin and Sister Goodwin. They've been in my home. I've been in their home. Spent lots of time with the Goodwins. The Goodwins are the ones that got John Osteen, Joel's daddy, filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're the ones that taught Howard Carter about the gifts of the Spirit. And Howard Carter is the guy that wrote the book on the gifts of the Spirit that when any of us want to know about the gifts of the Spirit, we go back there at the book table and we, we buy the book about the gifts of the Spirit written by Howard Carter. And yet J.R. and Carmen Goodwin taught him about the gifts of the Spirit, and they were my friends. Does that make sense to you? So, you know, we, we know where we came from. We, we know why we believe what we believe. You know, Renee and I will sit around and quote uh, all these guys all we, just in our own daily conversations. We talk about, well, we, just yesterday we talked about Brother Osteen a lot yesterday about Joel's daddy, John Osteen, because we, we both knew him so well. Dean and Renee, uh, her, her first husband, Dean, who was my best friend for 40 years, uh, Dean and Renee were on staff at, at, at Lakewood Church when Jackie and I first met them, uh, you know, 42 years ago. And, uh, and knew the Osteen so well and, and still knows the whole Osteen family really well. But, I mean, Brother John, we, we quoted John. I don't know how many times yesterday. We just drove around yesterday. We drove over here to Newport Beach and had, had lunch and, and, then, and then, you know, and drove down the beach and then stopped at Dairy Queen, got something to drink and came back here. Now, I don't know how many times we mentioned all these old guys. Just quoted things. And, quoted, and Renee said to me yesterday, she said, man, one of the things that Brother Osteen said that I'll never forget in all my life. You know, those, those are things taking it back to the post. Going back to the father. These are the things the father said. These are things the fathers have did. You know, we, we, we don't know really what the young lions are going to do. We hope they're going to do well, but, but, but we know what those fathers did. We know how they lived. And that's what Paul's saying. You know how I've lived. He said, you're a young minister, Timothy. You're a young pastor, and you're going to do some great things for God, but you're not just going to make all this stuff up. And you look at me, you, you know how I've lived, and you know what I've taught you. Does that make sense to you? Philippians 4, 9, these things which you've both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do them, and the God of peace will be with you. 2 Timothy 1, 2 and 3, Timothy, my dear beloved son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father, Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. If the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Can you imagine how you'd just be lost if, 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 if all of a sudden the foundations were destroyed? All of a sudden you have to wake up tomorrow and decide what's right and wrong? All of a sudden you wake up tomorrow and there's no post? There's no rules? There's no... It's just, hey, live like an animal. Live, live how you feel. See, the problem with the church is they want the blessings of being a sheep. God promises all these blessings to the sheep. But they want to live like a pig and be blessed like a sheep. And you can't do that because when you live like a pig, you, you leave the post. The post is here and the pig's just wandering in the wallowing around the garbage everywhere. And then saying, bless me like a sheep, bless me like a sheep, I'm a sheep, I'm a sheep. You're not a sheep, you're a pig. And pigs don't get the blessings of the sheep. Are y'all here? I'm not mad at anybody. I'll, I'll take anybody in my home. You know, Brother Osteen, again, going back to the old guys, Brother Osteen used to say at Lakewood Church. And you know, I talk about Lakewood Church. It's the biggest church in America. I mean, there is some success to this, right? I mean, I knew John Osteen since I was 15 years old. I'm 66 today. I knew Brother John Osteen since, since 1966. I, I knew the man well in his home many times, been meetings with him many times in foreign countries with him. I mean, you know, I'm talking about people I know. Brother Osteen used to stand in the pulpit at Lakewood. He'd say, bring us 
every people from every walk of life. Bring us all the sinners. He said, you bring the drunks, bring the drug addicts, you know, bring, bring prostitutes, bring homosexuals, bring, bring, I don't care what, you bring them all to us. We'll love every one of them and give us, if they'll give us one year, bring them in this house and, and give us one year and God will clean them up and fix them. But we'll love them all. We don't have any, we don't have any rules against anybody. We love everybody. And we're not going to let them stand up and talk. We're not going to let them stand up and preach if they, if they're not, if they're not, if they don't have a faith anchor, if they're not anchored. They don't know where the post is, but you give us a year and they'll know where the post are. You know, I'm a fisherman. I fished all my life. I love to fish. Freshwater, saltwater, I don't care. I love to fish. But, but, you know, I learned a long time ago that, that with God, fishing with God, is that you catch them and he cleans them. It's not up to me to clean them. God told me when I was a teenager, I was a youth, I was a youth pastor at 16 years old, and God told me, he said, he said, son, my word will either feed the sheep or skin the sheep, and I didn't call you to skin them. Isn't that right? I'm not your judge. I'm not anybody's judge. I'm not be mean to anybody. Now, I mean, I might be mean if you come up and insult my wife or hurt my kids or grandkids. I'll bust you in the mouth. But, but I'm, I'm talking about over your, over your philosophy or lifestyle. I'm not going to be mean to you. I will tell you it's wrong and show you where the post is. I'm not going to be mean to you or hurt you or judge you or, you know. It's not what Christians do. I love what Brother Osteen said. Give us a year. Give us a year. Come in the house, man. Everybody come in the house. And give us a year. You know, in a year, hey, make your choice. Decide. But in that year, God will clean you up and we'll show you where the posts are. Does that make sense to you people? If the foundation, this is my concern, if the foundations be destroyed, what are you guys going to do? What are you going to do? People have asked me so many questions over the years about miracles and testimonies that I've had and things like that. Y'all know I told you the story about going to Cuba, and I won't tell it because of time, but, you know, I went to Cuba in, in, in 2004 and took a Christmas tree there and then took it back again and uh, took another one in 05 because Cuba hadn't had a Christmas in 45 years. Castro, when Castro became, became president, he said, there will be no Christmas, Christmas doesn't exist. Changed Cuba to, a, to an atheist state and a communist state, and he said, Christmas doesn't exist. You just work, work on Christmas like any other day. It's not a holiday, not a holy day. Nobody's allowed to say Merry Christmas. Well, see, he moved that post, didn't he? That post was moved for 45 years. And then God used me to go back in there in, in 04 and move the post back where it was. And you go to Cuba today on Christmas time, hey, there's Christmas lights and Christmas trees and Christmas carols. They hadn't heard Christmas carols in 45 years until I went over there in, in 2004 and hired some guys and played Christmas carols. And they thought they were going to die because of it. They were scared out of their minds because that post had been moved for 45 years. But see, we went and moved it back. Now the post is back. Of course, in America, they're telling us, hey, Christmas isn't holy, and, and, and you know, don't say Merry Christmas. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I've seen where that road leads. You know, I go to these other countries. I, I know what those, those countries do and what those, what those systems do and what communism does and what socialism does. I mean, I've been to all those places. Nothing, they've never worked ever in the history of the world, ever. And so I just say, watch out, watch out, because you're going to destroy the foundations. You're going to move the post and move the post and move the post until the foundation is destroyed. And once that foundation is destroyed, what will the righteous do? Hey, listen, you got, you got, you got relatives, kids, grandkids, friends that are, that are in all kinds of sin. 
I'm not telling you to beat up them or be mean to them. I'm telling you to bring them in and love them, love them, love them, love them. But don't be afraid to tell them where the post is. In love, not, not mean. This will, this will skin the sheep or it will feed the sheep. God didn't call you to skin them. So you can love them, minister to them. One time years and years ago I was in, when I was in the military, I, uh, everybody knew I was a Christian and this, this guy came to me as an old, tough master sergeant. He came to me one day and he said, he said, I tell you I don't know what I'm going to do. I, my teenage girl, my daughter gone out here and she got herself pregnant. Boy, he was mad. I mean, it's this tough old soldier, you know. He's ready to kill the guy. And, in fact, he may have. I don't know. And I said, uh, I said, bring her to see me, buddy. Bring her to see me. And he thought I was going to really get on her and talk to her, you know. But instead, he brought her to see me. And this little old kid standing there, you know, and crying. Dear God, her world's upside down. She's pregnant. And, you know, of course, I know that's popular to do today. But it wasn't so popular back then. And uh, the post has been moved. The post is so moved today that, 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 that we, can, we can't wait to put the movie star's baby bumps on on, on the magazines and the TVs, you know, and just say how great that is because the post is moved. Anyway, he brought that little girl, and she stood there in tears, and he thought I was really going to tell her something. Instead, I told him something. I just took her and just held her, and I said, Dad, let me tell you what you can do. I said, you can uh, kick her out of the house, run her off, never see her and this baby ever. I said, or you can just love her. She knows she made a mistake. You can love her. You can forgive her. You can raise this grandbaby. It'll be a joy and a blessing to you and a blessing to her. That big old tough sergeant got tears running down his face. He hugged her, you know. So, but, but, you know, we're not, we're not here to be mean to people. Are you here? Yeah. Christians aren't mean to people. We have this reputation in Hollywood and, 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 and Washington is that we're mean to people. We're not mean to people. We love everybody. But we still have a standard and say, hey, but here's the post. And the post will help you. If you get back to the post, it'll help you. It'll give you a foundation because without the foundation, what you going to do? I got to quit. Y'all stand up with me. Did you get anything out of all this?